Welcome to the Backdrop Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Before we get to this week's episode, we got to discuss this past weekend's cross-country golf event in Chicago. We lovingly call it the Honey Pot. And because I recorded this before the event itself, I can't talk about the dramatic finish. I certainly can't talk about the majestic routing put together by this year's routing committee. Shout out, routing committee. But what I can't talk about is the official partner of this year's Honeypot. Yes, you guessed it, Five Iron Golf. Yes, the Honeypot was our last outdoor event in Chicago, but fear not, the world is thankfully getting back to it. And few places do events better than our friends at Five Iron Golf. They make it super easy to plan and hard for your crew to forget. With cutting-edge golf experiences and an elevated food and beverage program, Five Iron Golf has an atmosphere sure to leave an impression on your friends, colleagues, and clients. We'll be doing some indoor events with them this year at New Club, and every time we do, the feedback is, hey, why, why don't we do these more often? So maybe we will. Maybe we'll schedule a few more this season. So check out their group packages at fiveirongolf.com forward slash events. I am very excited about our special guest today on the Bag Drop Live. He's a registered building architect by day and a soulful golf wordsmith by night. He's an ambassador to this golf society. Jim Hartzell joins us on this edition of The Bag Drop. We have a saying at New Club that those we play golf with should never take away from the experience, that they should at worst be a net neutral. So we can focus on things like the match or the course, or maybe just the fresh air and nature that surrounds us. Ideally, in most cases, we want our playing companion to be a net positive. Jim is one of those net positives. He always adds to the experience of his fellow golfers. He's as passionate as it gets about the game and not afraid to share what he loves about it, whether it's general observations or it's finer details and points. He loves talking golf, specifically the brand of golf that resembles Scottish golf, Lynx golf the type of golf he's been exploring at lengths for decades. It's his passion that ultimately led him to Sweeten's Cove Golf Club. And now he is the author of our November book club selection, The Secret Home of Golf, The Authorized History of King's King Collins Golf and the Creation of Sweeten's Cove. If you're listening to this conversation and thinking, man, I'd really like to meet this guy, I have another treat in store for you, New Club, and our annual spring meeting is headed back to the secret home of golf at Sweetens Cove on April 22nd and April 23rd of 2022. That's right. It's official. You have been warned. If, you, if you've been, you know. If you haven't, it's time. Registration opens in December for our first of four society-wide fixtures in 2022. It's always an honor to be going to Sweetens Cove. It's a big deal for our golf society that... Uh, Rob Collins and, and Matt Adamski and the folks of Sweetens want to have us back uh, for this event, and it's going to be a golf party. After two years of this COVID stuff, it is going to be a lot of fun. So mark your calendars for those dates. Uh, make sure you pick up The Secret Home of Golf, written by our friend Jim here, and prepare for the adventure that awaits. Without further ado, on the show. Jim Hartzell, welcome to the Bag Drop. Thank you, Matt. It's, it's an honor to be here, and uh, I've met most of you guys, and uh, yeah, it's just 
thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's it's very uh, it's it's an honor. You and I haven't caught up and talked in, in quite some time, so I've really been looking forward to this this week. Uh, I have the book here in my hand, The Secret Home of Golf. Um, hopefully, we make some sales for you. That is part of this tonight. You are a beloved ambassador. You're an original ambassador of New Club Golf Society, so it is. I feel like our duty to hopefully make some sales, but don't you know hold us to those big numbers of you know your boys shout out trap draw drawler. Shout out to Kevin Moore, by the way. For shout out to Kevin for recruiting me into new club. So we'll get we'll talk plenty about Kevin. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to the professor. But uh I, I think when I thought about places to start this this chat with you, um, I think the most appropriate place is overseas and and talk about Lynx Golf and Scotland. Um, you know, it was an inspiration for our club and new club to um, do what they have over there. And it, it, I know it heavily inspired, uh, you know, your time in the UK and Ireland has inspired you and your writing um, on so many different levels. So I thought if you could just start us off by maybe describing your love affair with Lynx Golf, where did it start and, and how it's, how it's grown over your life? Yeah, it's, it's really been a major part of my life to be quite honest I you know I just I, I played golf my entire life my dad played my grandfather it was just that's what we did and so I played as long as I can remember but I just remember being fascinated by the open championship when it would be on tv and I've talked about this a little bit but um I would see these courses and it, it, my dad loved that tournament and I can remember watching it with him as far back as maybe eight or nine years when I was eight or nine years old. And he saw these places like Turnberry and Litham and the old course. And it just, I don't know what it was, but I thought, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. And I just was fascinated by it. So I, uh, we, as I got older, I, my dad, we talked about going to over to Scotland to play and we went, uh, when I first got out of uh, college, a couple years after I got out of college, uh, and he said, uh, look, um, I just want to play the old course. You set everything up. We can go anywhere you want. I just want to play the old course. And I had read this Michael Bamberger book to the Lynx land, which y'all know I'm a nut case about because we, you had him on your, uh, he's been on the book club before Bamberger has, I think it's the greatest golf book ever written. And I'd read it right before I was planning that trip. So I wound up, you know, going, we went to the old course. We played Carnoustie. Uh, I think we played North Berwick. Um, but we went to Cruden Bay and uh, Macrahanish and uh, Dornick and these places that people didn't really talk about back then, which I'm a little bit older than a lot of y'all. I mean, but it, it, you know, in 1994, 93, people didn't really, in America, they they knew the old course, they knew the open courses, but they didn't know these other places. So that's kind of how it got started for me. And we went over there and we just, we had so much fun that we wound up going several times and I've gone and I've taken one of my sons and it's just something that I've, it's been kind of a, really it's been kind of my, I guess, hobby is, is studying these golf courses and, and then eventually now writing about them. Um, and I just love it. And I just, I think you're right to have the, what, what you said about starting new club and the way that golf is played there 
and I see you talking about match play and um, just the, the, the way that golf is a part of life over there. It's like a fabric of, of their day-to-day life. There's just nothing really like it anywhere else. And I just, I love it. And I, I just spent a month over there and I, you know, I hope I can go back next year. I just, uh, I don't, I mean, I could talk about it for hours, but it has had a big influence on my writing and my life and, you know, what I think about golf and what I enjoy about golf, which Sweden's kind of was one of the first places I played in the U S where I thought, well, this is sort of like being in Scotland and it has that feel to it. And it, that's why I fell in love with it. But yes, I, you know, I could do, I could talk about Scotland for 10 hours straight if you, if you let me. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I want, I want 10 more minutes out of it because I think it, uh, well, first off your month long trip over there, uh, had any of us that are pals with you on social media, you know, I, envious is maybe the first word that comes to mind, but really just also, also Jim, sincerely, very, very happy for you because we, we know it was a very special trip. And, and I, I just wanted to get a little, um, you know, was there a specific experience or a new course, perhaps? Because I, I think there's very few new courses for you through Scotland over all those trips you've made. But was there a, a new course and a new experience that really stuck with you from this most recent journey? Yeah, I mean, I've played all the big courses and it's given me the freedom to really do what I want. I mean, because I look, when you go over there, if you're going to have one trip, I mean, you know, you got to play the old course in Carnoustie if you can get on Muirfield. I mean, I'm those places are just legendary, but I've done all that. So it, I could go this time and I just thought, well, I want to see some places I've never been on the West Coast. And my my favorite area is kind of Denaverty, Macrahanish on the Western Coast on the Mullican Tire. It always has been. So I always sort of go there, but I just, uh, I never had been up the West Coast and up way up north. And I went out with a friend of mine, Robbie, who some of y'all probably follow on Twitter, links Robbie, just a great guy, great golfer, just become a really good friend of mine. I actually it's his birthday today, I saw. It's his birthday today. And I actually, I couldn't have done this trip without him. I, he knew what happened with my son and um, he invited me to stay at his house. I, I, a lot of the trip, I stayed at his house and um, he played, we played a lot of golf together. And so we went out um, to a place called Isle of Collinsay Golf Club. And that's one that I want to mention because it was about a two and a half hour ferry ride from Oban, which is on the West Coast, kind of the main ferry terminal on the West Coast. And it's an island that um, I bet there's probably 150 people that live out there full time. Um, There's one hotel and there's this golf course that Matt literally it's like playing golf in 1750. I mean, it has not, that is what it is like. I mean, it, I, I've never seen anything like this. We drove up and it was just spread out before you up on top. We were on top of the hill and there was a, they had a, there was a little honesty box there. They didn't have a clubhouse. And um, the sign said, um, Robbie was reading the sign to me and it said, uh, $10 for all day or 60 for a membership or six, 10 pounds for all day or 60 for a membership. And I said, well, I'm going with the membership. <laughs> so I, I, 
I, we went and played and there was nobody else out there and it was the course was overrun the sheep were all over the greens and i found a like i found these golf this dunlop 65 golf ball that um must have been from set 50 or 60 years ago I mean, this place was just incredible that's one and we 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 that was i've never done anything like that before um i can't think of any other experience i've ever had like it we stayed in the hotel it was the only place to eat on the entire island we talked to people about golf um so that one and then you know going up north from there um heading up further north it's tough but um this little place called Gerlach that's in that calendar we were talking about earlier this nine hole course kind of on the northwest coast pretty high up um just blew me away i i played it um played it three times which i didn't I, that was rare on this trip i just if i if i played a place more than once that that was a pretty strong indication that i just it was really special um every hole was like this little jewel box or something i've never it was it was so good right on the water and um so those two jump out i mean there were there were so many i mean i played a few that i'd played before gull and north barrack panmure which i love um you know dunaverty well, i'm a member of dunaverty and I, that's my favorite course i played there the most but for the new places i I, I guess the two that really just stick out were, were Isle of Conce, just for, and I know that, look, I know that's not for everybody. I mean, I know that people going over there once, you wouldn't do that. I mean, unless you, unless you just really love that kind of stuff. But it, if you want to experience something that's just unusual and just like playing golf 300 years ago, that that's, I've never seen anything like it. So those two jumped out at me probably the most. And I, I love that, uh, you know, the unusual, uh, because certainly that's what, wh whether you've been to Scotland and Ireland or any of the rare links courses that uh, you've had so many experiences, whether you've been to those or not, when you show up at Sweetens Cove, I think uh, my, my term, it hangs on the wall there, out of the ordinary is, is what I love to describe it, because it's just so unusual from uh, our, our um basic brand of golf that that we're mostly fed as as growing up in this country but i i wanted to ask you because i've read so much of what you've written now for uh, the no Lay enough guys and, and uh your scottish links links diary and and i love it you know i love reading and, and so when this book came out the secret home of golf and i had an opportunity to finally read about a place that uh i've actually played because i haven't played so many of those courses i i just was thoroughly excited and i wanted to to from your perspective, what is similar about Sweetens and and so many of your experiences over there, um, and, and also what what's different? Well, it's a it's a good question. I think there's something about driving down that road to get to Sweetens Cove, which a lot of y'all have done it, and all of a sudden you come around and drive in that little parking lot, and this place is sitting out there. And I write about this in the book. I just, the first time I went and I got out of the car, I was like, oh my God, you know, what is this place doing out here? You just, you sort of, there's something about a golf course that is sort of spread out before you. And I don't know, it, it reminded me of driving up 
to Cruden Bay or Macrahannis. That's what that that's what made the Scotland connection for me because there's something about the courses over there, and not all of them, but you sort of have a struggle to get there on these roads, and all of a sudden you're at the course and you drive up, and then it's just all there, and you're like, "This is perfect. This is what this is what what golf is supposed to be." So I that was the first thing that just kind of blew me away. Um, and you know, when I first started going, um, you know, there, it was, nobody played out there. And, and of course I talk about this in the book a lot, but, um, that was one thing, but also the shot, um, the types of shots that you play. And I don't know if Kevin is on, but he would agree with me on this. It just, you, you can play so many kinds of shots and you can play from 130 yards, you can choke down on the eight iron and just like jam it into the ground and hit it about a, you know six inches off the the grass, and or you can hit it high. I mean, you can play it off banks. I mean, I remember the first time I went, um, I had one of my sons with me, and we were on seven, and we were just we were just kind of honestly, it was overwhelming to be honest with you. I, I did it, it. We both were like, I just i don't understand and so he, he hit a drive on seven about 30 yards from the green and he said i'm just going to take a three wood and, and and hit this on the ground i said well that's what i would do and that front pin on seven is such a good pin and so he hits it and it rolls up that little slope and rolls right back in the hole and i just i laughed for about five minutes it seems like I mean, it, and i just that's what I, I just, that part of it, Matt, um, I just remember the first time we went and you could hear people laughing and just having fun. And it's just what golf is supposed to be to me, which is the way it is in Scotland. It's just more of, um, you're out playing. I mean, we play a lot of match play when I go up with everybody and, you know, we don't keep score a whole lot. I mean, I just, you know, it's just the way that the old, it, it reminds me of the way golf is in a lot of places in Scotland still. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I, I, everyone has their, their first experiences, Sweden's and so many in our club have shared their stories and, um, it, it does repeat itself of those that have had those experiences, but I'm also curious just cause you're so well traveled, traveled Jim, and you've been to so many places and you write eloquently about them. You know, what is, different about Sweden's from those places um, um well it's a lot hotter in the summer for one thing <laughs> grass uh, you know i it's uh it's tough in july and august and early september uh and i like to walk like i know a lot of y'all do but honestly i can't walk in in those months there I, you're it's just too hot um and that's one thing that's pretty different um you know, the place is in a, a floodplain and Rob has done and Tad have done such a good job to make it playable. And Brent, the superintendent, is a, a genius to get it where it plays hard and fast. But if it rains a lot, you know, it's going to be wet out there. And um, it's hard to play some of the shots. If it's wet, it's hard to play some of the shots you need. And that's nobody's fault. It's just the way the, the geology is. But uh, I think that's a little obvious. That's kind of an obvious thing, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's the greens are, 
I haven't played a lot of places that have greens like that. I mean, there's a couple of courses in Scotland. I think Rob is a little bit – North Berwick has a couple of wild greens that I think he extrapolated from. But, you know, all the greens at Sweden's are kind of wild. Um, but most courses over there, you'll have one or two kind of maybe some really crazy greens, but not not like this. I think that's a difference. Um, yeah, that's kind of a couple of things I, off the top of my head. Uh, and just um, it's interesting, the, the, the thing about having a clubhouse and a place to eat. You know, I love the shed. I, I, you know, and I played a bunch of places. If y'all followed me on Twitter, I, I love these little golf buildings that are out by the first tee shed buildings. I, I found some great ones when I was over in Scotland. Uh, that's going to be your next coffee table book so you got the calendar and the coffee table book will be the sheds from around the world these things are so good i mean it just you i I love them and i'm an architect to begin with so i but like they're just some of them have been there for 80 or 90 years and they just they've got these little locker rooms in them and a a little place to get a cup of coffee tea or hot chocolate or whatever and it, it just i love it uh so that's kind of a similarity but I will also say, though, that, and you know this from having been over there, there is a formality to finishing your round and going in the clubhouse and having a pint and, you know, talking and rehashing the, the, sh- the not necessarily the score, but the shots and, um, you know, and we do that at Sweden's, but it's not, we don't obviously have that. It's, 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 it's more like the the sheds and things that, that I talked about. So there's a little bit different there, but um, honestly, of all the places I've been in the U S and I've, I've been a lot of places in, in the States. Uh, you know, I haven't played in, on long Island. I've, I've been out to uh, Shinnecock for the U S open to watch. Um, so I, that to me would be probably the closest thing just in terms of courses, but um it would be vastly different in terms of kind of, you know, the, the mentality of it, but yeah, I don't know if I answer your question. There's no, a couple I... that, are, that are different uh, and a lot of it's similar. Um, you know, the weather being the probably the biggest. <laughs> yeah. I, I ask because uh, as I was reading the book, it's particularly the construction of the golf course. I, I and maybe I could ask that a different way just because, when I play these courses over in Scotland, I kind of look at them and think, well, there's nothing else but a golf course that should exist here. Like it, it just seems like this has always been here and it probably always will be with, with Sweden's, I get the, this, this other sensation of this place was, was willfully created to yeah. be here. Like someone had to, to power through to create okay. this in the Squatchy Valley. And, and for me, it's, it's kind of like that there's a fun in that because it's so, rare that it exists where it does well your point is very good and I, that's probably what i should have now I, I see what you're asking that it, you see one of my favorite things about the book and um we had so many pictures jim sitar who uh, jim was so good to work with and he's we were just so on the same page about how this book should come out and um but we had so many pictures and it was so hard but I'm I'm really happy about how the before and after part came out in the book. Uh, that course, that valley, was dead flat. Uh, I mean, literally, like 
one foot of contour from one side, two sides of the, and you just don't see that. I'm an architect and that's, for something to be that flat is just, you just don't see it. Um, and they created that. Now they moved 300,000 cubic yards of dirt. Um, and I think, but you know, to Rob's credit and what I've said from day one, it looks like it's been there for a hundred years, which that's hard to do. Um, yeah. And they, they benefit the, the course benefits from being in this perfect Valley that's surrounded by these mountains. And y'all you know, have all been out there when the sun sets, it just lights up like a, I don't even know what you, it's just unbelievable. Um, so you've got this natural setting and Rob, they did such a good job of enhancing that. And, you know, cause I, you look at some of these before and afters and honestly, if you could not orient yourself on a mountain or a tree, you wouldn't know what you were looking at. It's just so much different. So it's there, a completely different well, the, the, the before and afters are pretty wild because I don't think, uh, like you said, I haven't seen them anywhere else but the book. But good boy. One picture I really love was uh, the sand capping on um, number seven. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, that looks like something out of, it, it, like, it, that's just so much sand. I mean, I, I can't, I can pull it up the picture to the camera for those that, it's just mountains and mountains of sand. And, and so I, I, I just, I don't conceptualize that when I'm playing it, but, but now when I go back, I'm going to. Well, it's a good point. You know, Rob, um, and I talk about this in the book a lot. Um, I give a lot of credit to the Thomas family that did this. Um, you know, they had this concrete company, but they had, as you know, for those of you in construction on here, you know, concrete needs sand to work so they had sand they had a sand plant up on top of mont eagle mountain which is about 20 minutes from uh well if y'all have any of y'all have played sewanee which is a nice little course up on the mountain uh it's the sand plant is up there but they they were able to give rob all this sand and he capped the entire you know this this court the the land is just hard tennessee clay this very uh, impermeable and water will not go through it. I mean, it just, it's like, it's like, uh, it just, it'll just sit there. So he put, you know, a ton of sand over this whole thing um, to kind of let it drain and also let it play the way that he wanted it to play. And that's a great picture. Yeah. He, he, that was one of the last ones we got. He found some that I didn't even know that he had. And, um, that was just hard to, we probably could have had a book that was nothing but a thousand pictures in it. But we, when you're trying to, you know, finish something and you're trying to publish something, you, you got a limit on what you can do. And we had to kind of cut some stuff off, but yeah, that one's a really good one. Uh, I want to ask some questions uh, about writing the book. Um, in the process of it, did uh, you mentioned Michael Bamberger? And I was curious because I, I knew that your favorite book was Michael Bamberger's first book, um, To the Lynxland, which I, I think if you've read a lot of Bamberger, which many of us have, he, his writing is very different now than than that first book. Or, or you know, all, everything changes over time. But 
I, I feel like that book is really raw and, 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 and I just, I love it as well. You, you, I think gifted it to me before when we were supposed to go Scott a couple years ago. Um, we'll get there. The, uh, the question though, is did, did he have any advice for you? Did you reach out to him on, Hey, I'm writing my first book. Uh, any tips from, from him? No, you know, he's been very nice to me and, you know, I've, when I planned that first trip to Scotland all those years ago, he was, you know, th- when he wrote that book, Matt, he was what, 27, 28 years old, which is so young. Y'all, y'all know that it's, it, it's ridiculous to be able to write a book like that when you're that age. But I had called him at the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, after I read the book and he talked to me for an hour and he helped me. I asked him about planning this trip and he was just so nice. And, um, I've kind of kept up with him over the years and, um, you know, but not, I guess not really about the writing part of it other than, um, you know, when I asked him to write a blurb for the book, he just immediately said he would, which I think is so nice. And, um, I just think he's the best American golf writer, uh, that we have right now. Um, if you read some of his other books, uh, the green road home and, um, there's one, the last one that came out, uh, Men in Green, I think, is so good. He, he interviews uh, uh, Ray Floyd's caddy and, I mean, some of the people he talks to. He just, he just has a, he's, a, he's, a, he's just a, he understands golf and he understands what makes golf great. And he's a good writer. And, uh, you know, he's, I, I wouldn't say that he's given me any advice in any way, but he's been very influential because, um, you know, that book, um, I've, I've given it to, I bet I've given it out 75 times over the years. I, I just, I love it. I just think it's so well-written and, um, so different from everything else. And, um, I don't know. I just, but yes, he's but it, yeah. what one comparison I thought and, and, while reading it and uh what's so good about to the links land is uh the detail in it that he he's willing to go to and i felt like there's actually a quote in the book that rob says and i, I think it applies to you writing writing uh the secret home of golf gym because and, and i'll read it uh, i think it's from chapter five and rob's quoted saying um he's working on the back side of a bunker on the left hand side of number three that nobody is ever going to see was just as important to him as number nine. I tried just as hard there as I did elsewhere with the belief that it was going to be an uncommon level of detail and effort that the summation, that the summation that all of that was going to lead to something that was unusual. It would give the golf course a different feel and overall energy that a lot of places don't have. And I felt like you took that similar process to your book. Because whether you were talking about you know, the financial situation of Sweetens, the contracts, the leases, or the construction of a specific, you know, um, tier on a green or, or roll to contour to a green. It really felt to me that the author, you, cared about the details and getting the details right. What, what details of writing the book were most important to you? Well, I appreciate you saying that because, um, you know, you and I have talked a bit and you've read some of the stuff I've written. I lean toward the philosophical side of golf. Um, you know, I lean toward the, to the links land and golf in the kingdom and, you know, 
Bernard Darwin and that kind of stuff. And I, so I wanted this book to be, but I'm also an architect and I love the technical stuff. I mean, I love the way that they figured out how to, you know, cover this drainage up between seven and eight, which is ridiculous. And this, and, and you know, and so when I talked to Rob and I talked to him so much for this book, we, I don't even know how many hours, um, he would always talk about, he was just obsessed by getting the details right. And he did it, um, you know, to this day, I'll talk to him and he'll say, well, I really wish I could get back over there between um, 5T and 3 Fairway. I was going to make that bunker continue more and I was going to do this and that. And I'm telling you, that is all stuff that nobody, I mean, maybe me or you or somebody would be standing there one day and look over there and man, that's cool. I mean, somebody would see it, but it's not something that you would, would think about much on a, on a daily basis when you're out there playing. So, um, you know, trying to, um, that was one of the things, his, his vision of having this, um, sort of connected golf course and these details, he pulled it off, man. And he, you know, and, and even he still, wishes their stuff and he may still go back and do some of this stuff um you know they're so busy now with Landman and some other stuff they've got going but um you know i don't know if i answered your question exactly but it uh you know i that was part of the to me i was trying to make the book entertaining and and cover what i love about golf but also cover the technical parts of it which i know a lot of people love and i love uh, and then also try to cover some of the stuff that's happened, you know, historically with the way people have, how how it succeeded when it really shouldn't have. And y'all know how hard business is and especially golf. And I just, I wrote something on my blog a couple of days ago about this course closing about 30 minutes for me that my boys and I love to go to. And it's not Sweetens Cove. It's not even, it's nothing really other than a country golf course that we like going out to. And, um, you know, it's just hard in this and for people to keep stuff open and resist, um, you know, selling property to real estate developers or in Rob's case, they were just out of money and they, and so to me, the story is so many multifaceted, uh, it's design, it's construction, it's the fact that this thing is there when it really shouldn't be. And now it's successful. You can't get a tea time. Thankfully, Rob will reserve a, tea, a day for a uh, new club or a day or two for new club, uh, you know, but it's, uh, you know, it's, that's just, uh, it's just a story that uh, shouldn't really happen. And um, it did. And, um, and Rob wouldn't give up. And that's why I, I'm a big, he's a friend of mine, but I'm also, a, a, I also, he's inspired me to do a lot of the stuff that I've done um, just because he, you know, he wouldn't give up on this, on this ridiculous thing that I'm going to be a golf course architect and y'all can't stop me. And, um, you know, and he, he said, and I've read it in the book, I, if this place goes down, I'm going down with it. And um, I'm sure he would have, been successful whatever he wound up doing but he's made it now and it's all because of uh 
you know, this little place out in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee, which um, it's just kind of crazy to me. I, so really, you know, you pick up uh, the book, just maybe being a lover of the course you've been and you want to know more about it and, and everything, but it really is um, that story of perseverance and survival. And uh, I, I get that same sense just uh, you're inspired by it because it's against all odds and and there's no shortage of people that helped it get there I, I i debated uh for this pod jim just having you on and just listing names that you mentioned in the book and letting you tell a story about them which maybe if we have extra time we could do but um before we get to that i think this is the aspect i want to ask you about that i haven't heard you talk about in other pods and uh, that's the the OG members of Sweetens, because for me, I had read the Times, I read the Fried Egg, I read No Lane Up. I, I I started to go, all right, this is this place is sounds pretty cool, but then my good buddy who was an OG, Kevin Moore, introduced me, and he and he's smart enough to not put the sale on me. He introduced me to all the others, to John Allen, to Dre Moon, and here here's what I found remarkable, and you really highlight so well in the book. I, I, the preface is I'm starting a new club and I'm knee deep in, in networking with private clubs, trying to establish uh, some access for our members and do the things necessary. And I'm meeting, you know, member after member who, who brag about uh, the ex- exclusivity of their club or, or the new course ranking of their club. And, um, and, and just kind of running the, the, through the motions of that way. And Kevin said, yeah, we got a membership going, you know, why don't you talk to these guys? And I have never, met a group of people more hell-bent on inclusivity experience come join me for a round what are you doing next weekend and then following up with the promotion of the place on social and uh sharing other people's stories and you get that overseas so th- that that's the last time i felt that way was these people you know you, well, have a ca- you have a caddy overseas they're the club champ it's stuff like that but so tell me about those ogs and well, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of the tie-in to your question earlier when you asked me what was similar, and I don't think I answered it very well. Um, the the way that people play together at Sweetens, um, you know, there's really no, and this is kind of back like when I was a kid, but in the way it is in Scotland now, there's really no hesitation to sort of join up and, you know, introduce people to the course and if somebody needs somebody to play with you know we come on out and play but um yeah i mean it's um i give a lot of credit myself to people like john and trey um jeff howard uh kevin um you know i found a phenomenon when i started when i found this place and i my son sent me the uh, the fried egg podcast, and I'm a well, you know, I read golf like a lunatic, but I I had not seen this, the New York Times article. And he sent me the fried egg pod that Rob was on, and he's like, Dad, have you heard of this place? Uh, you need to listen to this. And I listened to it, and I'm like, well, we, we're going up there. And, um, of course, I've said, you know, how we just fell in love with it, but what you said is true because I have met so many people out there 
that have sent me messages on Twitter or Instagram and like, Jim, are you going to be around Sunday or Saturday? I'd love to play nine holes with you. Um, and I would say without fail with this group of members, original members, you know, if they're able to, they will come out and play with somebody and for the first time and show them the course. And personally, I love, and you've read some of the stuff I've written, Matt. I love cat caddies are like one of my favorite things in life. I, I love a caddy and I love being out there with somebody that's never played and being on number one and they're sitting there and they're like, what should I do? And I'm like, well, hit it 40 yards left of the hole, let it run up this hill and come back down. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yes, just listen to me. And I love that. To me, I, honestly, that's as much fun as playing golf to me, to go out there and walk around with somebody that's never played it, tell them what to do, tell them what you know the shot is, where to go off the tee. Um, so, yes, I mean, there's a group of core people like that. And Patrick Boyd should be mentioned because Patrick was the first GM and he had a great, um, and I write about this in the book, but uh, Patrick had a great knack for recognizing people like that, that, that he knew would just promote the golf course and would fall in love with the golf course. And I don't know, he just somehow knew that he did that with me. And, um, you know, I met him the first time and, you know, he immediately, when I, after I talked to him for a bit, you could just tell that he was, that, you know, he wanted me to come back. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, that it's interesting that that group did so much and still does to meet people out there, to let people come out, show them around. Um, and then on social media, you know, I, I had probably two years where all I did every weekend was post pictures of Sweetens Cove. And I, you know, like I said, people would so, would send me a DM and say, Jim, this is great. I'm coming down from Michigan. Could you meet me out there? And I did as much as I could. And um, I think that is so unusual for a way for a golf course to. And that wasn't the only reason, but that was a big part of, you know, success of it, because. Those people. If you get a certain kind of golfer that loves that vibe and that type of golf they're going to keep coming back and it just kind of grew from from the, these people and john allen there's no telling how many people he's brought out there trey or kevin or you know it just i don't know it just it, it's an interesting kind of dynamic that these original members sort of see themselves as kind of the guides or the i don't know what you want to say to to introduce people to the, to the place. And it's fun. I love doing it. I still love doing it. I get, I still get messages. I'll go if I can. Um, and it's just so much fun, especially for the people that have never played it. Cause they're just without fail. They're just kind of like, I can't, I don't understand what's going on. You know, what, you know, it, what, what should I do here? And, and I just, I love that part of, you know, and, and it's just such a, um, enchanted collection of of original members too like the makeup of it is 
is so interesting to me. And now, now that you talk about it from the standpoint of caddying and coaching and help, almost sherping people around, it's almost like it could only exist there because that doesn't work at a, at a course where there aren't so many surprises and there aren't so many different nooks and crannies that, that, they, that, that it works. It works. If I was starting over, and I've, I've loved being an architect, I love writing, um, I would probably be a caddy. Um, I still write, but um, I just um, the I just love that aspect of golf. I love the discussion about a shot and what should you do. Um, you know, what do you think? I, 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 that's just something that I don't know why, but I just love that. And and so I um, that's an aspect of golf that I, you know, going back to your some of your earlier comments that I, I is still around in Scotland and in some places in the U S um, that I hope never dies out. And, I, um, it's just one of the unusual things about this sport that, um, you don't have in football or basketball or whatever, uh, baseball. Um, it's just fun. And, um, you know, I've had so many good caddies that, and over there and, um, that have become friends even and um anyway that's just that's one of my favorite parts of golf is that kind of the strategy and the discussion and as i've gotten older matt i i don't even really care what i shoot i it's interesting when you get old and um i love being with people and playing i love the individual discussion about a hole and the kind of the outcome of, of a single hole but i don't really care that's why I, I I love that y'all promote match play so much that um, because you just it, it and I'm not saying that's the only way to play golf. I mean, we all like to shoot a good score, and I've you know even on this last trip, I had a couple of decent rounds, and I'm kind of proud of that. But but I do like that camaraderie and sort of the strategy of match play is just fun. And, and especially even when the caddies are raw. So that's kind of a long answer, but um, yeah, it's uh, I love that part of the game. Uh, before I <clears throat> kick it over to uh, members that let them ask some questions, I wanted to uh, touch on just a few. Like I said, I have this list of, I was highlighting names in your book because it's, okay. it's a story filled with characters. And these are some characters. So I have about 40 names. I'll just pick two or three. Um, and this could be a, I'd love a story just related to either the, in the book or the writing of the book, but um, something related to these folks. How about Gus Grantham? Yeah, man, Gus. Gus is the, probably the character of the entire book. I mean, I, honestly, I could write a book on Gus if I wanted to. I didn't, I didn't use, I mean, I probably used, 10% of what we talked about. I love Gus. He is a, I mean, yeah, I mean, I probably should write a book about him. He, he, he started out in, um, as a back co-operator in Florida, working construction. And somehow there was a golf course being built and this guy asked him to come work on the golf course. And he's like, I don't know anything about golf course shaping and, He's like, don't worry about it. I'll teach you. And he sort of worked his way up and he, he had a, he, he's a genius 
at operating the equipment, um, which there's an art to that that I love. And um, people like him and some of these people that work for Corn Crenshaw and, and Rob and Tom Doak and them. And Hans, I mean, it's just, there's an artwork to it, but he worked his way up and he wound up working for the Jack Nicholas or Nicholas design. And some of the stuff he talked about with Nicholas and I, you know, look, I'm, I'm a little bit older than y'all and I, we all sort of like certain things and some of Jack's courses maybe are not as popular, but to listen to Gus talk about Nicholas was very eye-opening to me. He almost was in tears talking about him. Um, well, I, he actually broke down once when we were talking about how Jack gave him so much respect and let him design, basically design this one hole. And um, he said, you know, he just said, why is a guy that's so legendary letting me, you know, let, letting me do this? And um, so he, some of his stuff that he told about Jack, I, I really enjoyed. And, um, you know, some of the stuff that he talked about on site up at Sweden's, um, I probably should have an R-rated version of the book, to be honest. I probably, <laughs> I left out a lot, you know, he, but he, he, he was, he was so good. I mean, I'm from the South and I love an old sort of country guy that just makes it and is successful and works hard and if you ask rob to this day or tad they'll say that gus is the hardest working person that they've ever come around and just all he likes to do is work he likes to build golf courses that's all he likes to do and um he'll go anywhere in the world morocco or portugal or whatever and um you know it's just um it's interesting to a guy like that to, to kind of come from have no knowledge of golf and to be able to do that is, is, is kind of fun. And uh, Rob gives him a bunch of credit and I, I talk about it a lot in the book. Um, uh, so yeah, Gus was, Gus was one of my favorites and I've, I've got a stack of interviews over here that, you know, maybe I'll do a, after I finish my Scotland book, maybe I'll do a expanded version of, of the Sweden That's book. <laughs> Next name is uh, there's only one one of a kind. There's only one Patrick Boyd in the world in the world of golf. And what's your favorite Patrick Boyd story? That's a tough one. Patrick is one of my favorite people that I've met in golf. Um, he knows so much about the game and uh, loves it. He's like the kind of guy that we'd all want to sit around and talk to. Um, you know, over a couple of whiskeys or whatever he just uh you know i don't know that i've got a specific story other than well i do have one and i've told this a couple times but I, this 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 embodies patrick to me um and what he meant to sweden so after my son had sent me that podcast that the fried egg that rob was on so we we, was, we were going to go up it was in, I think, November of October, November of 2016. And it's about a, uh, a 90 hour and 40 minute drive from, from my house. And so we start up going there, me and Jake, and we get about to Huntsville, which is maybe a third of the way there. 
and it just looks like the world is going to end. I mean, it starts storming and rain coming down sideways. And we're about right when we're going through Huntsville, my phone rings. And I didn't know the number and I didn't have it in my phone. And I answered and it was Patrick. And he said, hey, um, Mr. Hartzell, um, I just wanted to let you know that it's just raining so hard up here. I'm going to have to close the course. And I know y'all were coming up and I really didn't want you to drive all the way up here. I just wanted to let you know. And I said, man, thank you. I appreciate it. And look, Matt, I'm not giving him my number or anything. I, I had called to make a reservation or tea time not knowing that you didn't really even need one, but I'd called up there and he'd had my number in his phone and he, he must've written it down or something. So he called me and I said, well, thank you. And so we stopped to, uh, and went home and I told Jake on the way home, I said, all right, we're going back up there. No matter whatever else happens, we're going back to this place because imagine if y'all will, and everybody on this call has played golf a million times at every type of golf course. What, golf course calls you and tells you not to come up to the up to for your tea time because it's raining it does not happen yeah so <laughs> he did that and so we went i called him back and we went up the next week or the week after and we went up there and of course i still didn't realize that you didn't even really need a tea time we, there was nobody there we came up and he said you must be jim and he was on the front of the porch and um i said yeah he said, well, man, I really hate y'all couldn't come up last weekend and it just was too wet and we had to close it. And he said, I really feel bad about that. He said, I, look, I'm going to let y'all play all day for $15. And to me, that's the genius of Patrick Boyd because I'm not sure if he realized how I would sort of flip out about this place, but he was taking a chance and I told Jake, I said, I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what, what's happening here. And, and so that's just not the way people act. And um, so we played all day and uh, we sat with him afterwards. He actually came out and played a few holes with us. And then we sat up there and had a drink and we talked about different stuff. And um, to me, that's my favorite Patrick story. And I know that's there's, there's better ones out there, but it just, the way that he helped develop the uh, audience, I guess, for that golf course, um, it's just pretty incredible. And, and, and so I've never forgotten that. And I've, I've told that story a bunch, but it just, uh, that's, that's one of my favorites. That's a great, a perfect story to share because it's just one of like, all these names have a story like that in your book. And it's like, does the course make it without that story, without stuff like these people, what they're doing and willing to do? Um, it's well, it's like, a, it's like a gamble because, you know, at that time they were losing money. Just they were barely making it month to month. And he says, look, just go play all day for $15. I'm sure he wanted to. They'd rather charge me and Jake, whatever it was for all day. I don't even know, but. It wasn't, it wasn't $15. I know that, um, you know, but he was just, he, he felt bad because we didn't get to play the couple of weeks before and it rained. And so I don't know, it just, that kind of approach to me was very unusual. And honestly, 
going back to a question from earlier, that's the way people are in Scotland. I mean, they're, they're so concerned about you having a good time and did you enjoy yourself? Uh, is there anything I can do? I mean, I don't know. It's just a, that sort of service and caring about the experience is, is how I think about Patrick. That's that's a good one to wrap on. I'm going to go, I'm going to open it up to questions to the group. Any members that have specific questions while you're unmuting yourselves, I do want to share uh, one thing that happened this week that I am very excited to announce for everybody on this call. You'll be the first to know. Um, Jim, you alluded to it. Sweetens has invited us back for 2022. And uh, the spring meeting for New Club will be April 22nd and 23rd at Sweetens Cove Golf Club. So uh, as, as you know, Jim, it's not a small order anymore to shut down the yeah. course for an outside group. And um, just with uh, the, 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 the friendships we've made down there, it is, it is a big deal to, to all of us. So, Yes, the, the demand is um, kind of ridiculous. I, it, so, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that, um, you know, that Rob is, has done that for y'all and, and us. And um, I, I would, you know, I would uh, encourage everybody to take advantage of it because it's just, there's really nothing else like it for kind of a, that kind of golf event. What's your, uh, and I'm just curious because I got Jim Hartzell on the line. What's your favorite format to play around Sweden's Cove? Me? Yeah. Alternate shot. Alternate shot is here. Alternate shot is the best golf format, period. It, that, it is. Y'all can debate me. Strong corner, but I like it. So much fun. The strategy is so much fun. You know, look at Muirfield. That's all they play is alternate shot. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'll get on my soapbox about it. And I don't, look, I love playing my own ball. Look, I'm not crazy, but I, there's so much fun in that format of trying to decide what you're going to do and just you put people in bad spots. And I don't know. I, I love it. That's my favorite. So I, 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 will, I will take you as my alternate shot partner any day. Cause I know that, uh, you know, you, you'll coach me up when needed, but you'll also probably put me in some entertaining positions. Yeah, I'm sure I will would do that um, on purpose. I'm not not you have complete control over your ball. You know, I, I just know that you'd find a, a pocket for me. I'm a sneaky, I'm a sneaky 15 handicap. So, Matt, I can, I can actually, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm kind of a sweetness specialist at this point, and maybe a, a link specialist. But uh, I do like it when you can kind of play some kind of low shots and stuff so uh yeah but i do i love alternate shot it's so much fun it just um I, i've said this a lot I've, I've written about it. i just i just think it's the best golf format if you if you go back and read a lot of of this historical scottish stuff and uk that's what they played they played alternate shot you if you look at these matches and i know these movies are kind of a you can take them for what they're worth, but the, the young Tom Morris movie and most of those matches between old Tom and young Tom and the park brothers, they're alternate shot matches. I mean, that's what, that's what they played. Um, because for one thing, and I'm not going to get on the soapbox about how long, but I, I love the pace of alternate shot. I love, it's just, it just moves around and you're just kind of always, it's always going. And, um, 
I don't know. It's just, I love it. I always have. And uh, that's just my favorite. Who's got a question for our friend Jim here? Hey, Matt, I got a question. So, uh, Jim, I haven't finished the book yet, um, but I have a question about um, um, about how Rob is doing. Um, you know, I, I know he's busy with Landmend and some of the other uh, community projects, and and I mean, you just you want this guy and uh, Ted King to be successful so much, um, and at when he lost that internship with Doak. Um, that it seemed like that really hurt him um, personally. And so then, you know, he, he made a comment about he's gonna, he's gonna get him back or he's gonna make, he's gonna make him pay for that somehow. And when, when he then lost the, the uh, Zach Blair project that had to really hurt again. So yeah. I'm just wondering how, how he's doing, dealing with those types of um, situations where the, the the job didn't go his way and I'm, well, I'm so happy that he's doing well with these other projects no no greg it's a great question you're in construction so you know how it's hard to get projects for one thing um it's very hard in fact in my business that's probably the most i, I know how to design a building I, I can do that all day but just getting the work is so difficult and you know rob um after Sweetens, I mean, he, he's, it was getting noticed and he was getting a lot of interviews and quite frankly, um, and I'm not gonna, there's a lot of stuff he told me that I, that I probably can't say here, but he's been, he was in a ton of interviews the last few years with Tom Doak and Gil Hans and Corin Crenshaw. And he lost a lot of those, most of them. Um, but he just is the most driven person that I've ever, one of the most driven persons I've ever been around. And, um, you know, they had this little sort of course or practice area over in Sea Island, Georgia, that's really nice that they did that kind of was kind of a stepping stone. And then really he'll tell you that the Landman thing, um, they're doing great. I mean, the Landman project, I went up there about a year ago, 11 months ago, walked the entire site with Rob and Tad, and it is one of the most incredible things I have seen in the United States. I'm not trying to, you know, overplay this because I don't do that. It, the landscape is unbelievable and they have done an incredible job. And I think that this course will put him in the next level. You know, he's done this course in Memphis, the nine hole course, um, Overton park, I think it's called. It's going to be really cool. I think it's going to open next year. He's got the course in Texas that he's doing in Lubbock that's uh, Red Feather that is actually a lot like Sweden's in that it, it's built in a totally dead, flat uh, floodplain area that they had to do a bunch of sort of environmental stuff on. And But no, he's he's doing great. He, they're, they're, they're doing great. You know, they've missed out on some stuff that... Um, and I probably shouldn't say a lot about the the Buck Club tree farm thing. I, it, it that was very very disappointing. Disappointing to a lot of us that were friends with Rob and you know friends was or friends with Zach and 
some of these people. I don't understand a lot of it, but it, you know, they, they got Doak and whoever to do it. And you know, Rob had done a bunch of work and really, I think, um, helped promote what they were trying to do just by having Rob involved in it. Uh, but you know, I think they're past that now they've, they've, they've got a bunch of, they've had a bunch of interviews for stuff and, um, some of it I can't talk about, but I, some of it's pretty big if it works out. And I, I just think that they're on the verge of, of, you know, because I look, I love, um, I love core and Crenshaw. I mean, I think they're the, they're probably the best architects that we've had in the U S. Um, but you know, they're getting older and, and, and Rob's kind of in that age where he's perfect to kind of step in. And so I think he's doing great. I, I just, I, I'm, I, you know, there's been disappointments, but, you know, I told him, um, when I go after products, <laughs> you're lucky if you get one out of 10, I mean, you, you go after 10 to get one of them. And that, and so that's just the way the world is. And fortunately this landman thing is just, and I, I've got a story on my website that I wrote when I took, went up there. I, it's incredible. The landscape is otherworldly. Uh, and I, I, you should have a new club event out there when it opens or whenever you can, because it's just, I, I don't, I've never, uh, I've never seen another landscape quite like it. And they've moved so much dirt out there. I mean, the place is crazy to begin with. And there were several architects that came out there and I won't name any names that told the owners, you can't build a golf course here. It's too wild. The land is too crazy. You can't do it. And Rob and Tad went out there and said, yeah, we can do it. And they have moved dirt. Un it's just beyond comprehension how much they've moved. And the place is just like being at Cruden Bay or Port Rush or I've said some of this on Twitter, but I just, but it, on the other hand, it's not even, it's different than all that. So um, that sort of landscape and I, Greg, I, I get on a tangent about stuff, but I did the Nebraska and Kansas and that sort of just, I love that landscape for golf. And um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think this one comes out, Memphis opens, this red feather thing is going full speed. And a couple of these that he's got, like in the can to get are going to be one of them in particular. I wish I could tell y'all, because if they do it, then all bets are off. Cause it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. So I, they're doing good. They've had disappointments like we all have, but I, they're they're They've got all the work they can do right now. Other, <clears throat> other questions for Jim. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Jim. Really appreciate it. Um, th this is, uh, you talked about the fried egg earlier. This is the fried egg special question. Uh, we're, you know, the mark of a great golf course is you talk about the worst hole, um, which we want to keep it positive. But uh, if you had to pick your least favorite hole at Sweetens, what well, would it be? It's, it's a fair question. And, uh, you know, I will say that my, I have a criteria, having gone to all these places and, and written, one of my criteria is when you're when you finish playing a place for the first time, you can remember every hole that you played. And that happened to me a few times in Scotland. It happened to me the first time I went to Sweden's. You're driving home or you're driving back to the hotel 
and you clearly remember every hole. And y'all have all played places where you can't remember half of the of the holes. So that's kind of a that's not your question, but that's kind of one of my my criteria. I'm not a I'm not a hugest fan of the six hole. I just um, I've, I've in fact I wrote about the first time I ever went up there. I just went crazy about the golf course, and I said, "Yeah, the six hole." It's good, but it's not my favorite. And that would be my least favorite. I just, um, I've hit too many <laughs> good drives down the left center that that went into the water. And I just, uh, but that's the way Rob designed it. You, you've got to, you've got to hit the, it's a cape hole. You've got to hit the drive right of center. In the summer when it's, the ground is hard or in the fall when the ground is hard. If you've got a, Chris, if you've got a bit of draw on the ball or it hits left to center, by God, it's going in the water. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just a hard hole. And um, and Rob, you know, he, we've talked about this a lot. He, you know, he wanted to have a really hard hole out there, and he he's got one. Um, so I mean, I like the hole. I just, if you ask me to judge it, it would be my it would be my least favorite, just because the drive is so hard <laughs> to me. To it, it's just it's just a hard drive. <laughs> No, that's a, that's a fair answer. And and uh, the only follow-up, no one likes to hear about someone else's like fantasy football team, but when we were there for the spring meeting in 2019, they pinned on the front in, in our knockout at the end of the day. We almost saw an ace from the king green to the sixth hole, and it rolled into the water. And there's, you know, 60 people standing there going, oh my God, it's going to go in the it went in the water. How did that go in the water? You know, I mean, so it's just funny, the line of... Uh, from great to not great. <laughs> that's what that's what's fun about uh, like playing in that or like we had our member guests a few weeks ago and me and my son went up and played and Brent really gets it down. The greens are so like crazy. I don't know what the stamp would even be, 13 or but and the line of demarcation from a good shot, and I somebody just played there a thousand times or whatever. I even hit some chips and I'm like, that's perfect. And uh, it just like stopped for like a split second. Then it was just gone. And, and I, you know what, that's the way it, it's fine. It's just, uh, but there is a, on some of the holes, there is a, such a, it's such a fine line to hit a good shot. And I, and I've told people that have been my partners up there a lot of times, don't even think about trying to hit this shot at the hole try to get it on the green where you've got a 20 foot putt and, and try to make a bogey or whatever. And, uh, I actually enjoy, I, I, I like that myself, but you know, you're, you know, if you've made me sort of the six is just a hard hole for me. I, I, I hit the ball right to left. And every time I just, I hit it a little bit too far left and it just kicks into the water. So. <laughs> How about uh, one or two more questions for Jim? I see Paul Wellman trying to, let me, oh, let me see. Can I unmute our friend, Paul? There he is. Hear me? We sure can, Paul. All right. Um, first, I want to thank you uh, for your correspondence and um, some of your suggestions um, for a Scotland trip. Earlier, you alluded to the technical aspects of a Sweeten Cove. 
but how do you take that or what does a first time links player look for or try to experience when they're over there when the courses are you know 150 years old and they were doing more just planning and 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 routing and not so much technical but you know first time links player what what would you suggest they they kind of look for um I think you have to, if you can, if you go somewhere that has a caddy, I'm a, I'm a fan of getting a caddy. I mean, a lot of the places I went this last trip did, did not have one, but I did get one at, at Gullen and North Berwick and uh, one other place. And they were just so, because what happens, Paul, is you stand on the tee and a lot of these holes, you're just like, I don't, where am I supposed to hit the ball? Because it, you can see a little bit of fairway on one side or the other. A lot of times you can't see anything and you need to sort of know the line to hit on. And um, I think, you know, that's kind of one of the big things is what I've, what I've found over there that's kind of fascinating to me is a lot of times when you get up to the green and look back at the hole, you can see exactly what you're supposed to do. But you can't you can't see it from the tee. It's it's um it's kind of like how Pete Dye designed courses, and I'm not the biggest Pete Dye fan, but I, he did have that kind of uh, mentality of I'm going to make people stand on the tee and not understand what they're supposed to do, and you know, and that's what he did, and I think he got that from kind of Scotland and England and the UK. But that you know, a lot of times on the tee you don't know what to do, and I don't know. You know, I would get, I will say this, that's been helpful to me when I've played places um, that I've never been and I didn't have a caddy. They still have these uh, guide yardage books over there, which I love. Uh, I don't even, I didn't even take my range finder this last time. I probably should have, but I didn't. I just don't think, I think you have to, in my mind, you look at the shot over there and kind of calculate what you've got to do. and you can kind of figure out how far you have, but get, get one of these yardage books that they all sell because they're very detailed. And it's fun to me. I had one at Brora and Goldsby this last time, and it was so much fun to, and I was by myself and the place wasn't crowded and it was so much fun to kind of study that map. And I'm like, okay, it'll tell you, you want to favor the right side or you want to hit it look at this hill on the distance. And I think that's a, if I could, I would advise that I'd get one of these yardage books. Um, if you can't get a caddy um, and kind of look at the map and see what you want to do. And then when you get to the green, look back and just, I, I love doing that because you can kind of see how exactly how you're supposed to play the hole when you, when you look back and uh, there's just so much, there's so much more over there of, um, kind of subterfuge off the tee and and a lot of it is because of the as you say that they just didn't move much dirt and uh, they kind of they kind of uh located the greens and located the tees and made these holes and i love it myself i, I love a blind hole you know my, you know the places i played had multiple blind holes um uh, but if you 
you have to play it once. And sometimes if you're by yourself, I, unless you've got one of these yardage books, you just kind of, you look at the marker that they, they usually, there's usually a marker and a, a pole that you want to hit at. Um, but I would say that just, you know, get, get a caddy at, at a bigger place, uh, get, get one of these yardage, uh, kind of guidebooks at the others and uh, you can get around. Um, and I love playing places. It doesn't, trips don't always allow this, but if you can play a place twice that you really like, that's fun because like that Gerlock course I mentioned earlier that Matt was, Matt was asking me, um, the first time I played it, I was like, I, what am I doing? Because it, there were so many blind shots and the crisscross holes and, but then the, I went and ate lunch and I'm like, I'm going back out there and I knew what to do. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun because I knew where I was supposed to go and the angles I was supposed to play. So I hope that kind of answers your question a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I love taking a caddy, but um, the yardage book and plotting stuff out, that, that's great. So appreciate it. Thanks again. Yeah, no problem. I got time for one last question for Jim. If someone wants to let it, let it fly. Well, I'm going to get on Kevin Moore for not getting on this call. I'm not, I, I know he's, he has a job and stuff, but. Um, Why don't we talk shit about him instead? Yeah. And, then, and then he'll listen to this later on <laughs> and then he'll know. Well, I mean, he thinks because Georgia is number one that he can just like <laughs> blow us all off right now. That's, that's kind of a joke, really, if you think about it. And they still are going to have to play Alabama. So don't get. Don't start throwing a party yet, Dr. Kevin Moore. So. <laughs> well, I think I think one uh, fitting last question I just thought of is going back to my name concept, but applying it to uh, the protagonist in your story, Rob Collins. Because I'll just say from my personal experience with the man, I, I've been working in golf now for a little over four years. And golf is uh, blessed with a lot of, really special people, a lot of caring people, um, pe good people. I, I don't think I've met anyone more sincere and authentic than Rob Collins. And, and so to, again, have him be the champion of your book, it's, and, and no one spent more time with him than, than you, Jim, through this. So I was, I was curious, do you have a story about Rob that would, whether it's in the book or not, or maybe through the, the process of the writing, is there a story about Rob that best kind of, I, you know, shows who the guy really is who the guy well, is yeah rob is such a renaissance guy it just um the first time um after we'd been a couple of times um i jake and i went back and i had one of my other boys with me and i don't even know i guess rob and patrick kind of planned this stuff out but we we came around to the seventh and rob was standing there on the seventh i think it was the seventh tee and you know rob's like six ten you know, just a giant guy and, uh, I'm exaggerating, but he, he's a tall man, and, um, <laughs> but he was standing there and he goes, Hey Jim, I'm Rob and I'm going to play. And we wound up playing like 12 holes. And, but in the course of that, um, I don't know how it came up. We started talking about, um, we had Jake and I had music on and we had, we were playing pavement and the grateful dead and crazy stuff. And, Rob just went nuts. He loved it. it. Pavement's my favorite band. And um, I don't even know how this came up, but um, I'm a big fan of uh, Cormac McCarthy, who wrote um, No Country for Old Men and 
blood meridian and um, a bunch of stuff. But I made some comment offhand about no country for old men. And Rob was like, is that, do you, do you like that? Do you like Cormac McCarthy? And I'm like, yeah, he's my favorite writer. He just went nuts. And he just, he is such a learned person, uh, but he's a normal guy. But I just, I, you know, we wound up liking a lot of the same stuff and him talking about uh, pavement and the Grateful Dead and Cormac McCarthy. And while we're playing golf, which to me is my greatest dream, I mean, I, I, you know, to me, half the fun of golf is is being out there talking to people about everything and you know that you can think of. And I guess that would be my story about him is he's just, uh, I think his degree is in art history, original degree from Sewanee, and he then he went to Mississippi State for his kind of landscape and golf architecture stuff. Uh, but just to talk to him, he's so knowledgeable and he can quote stuff from different books and i don't know it just it, it reminds me of a kind of a throwback um person like mckenzie or somebody that just had a bunch of knowledge that they're they love the artistic side of what they're doing and they're but they, there's a technical aspect to it and i mean i'm going to tell you something man and you you've actually done this because i uh but to sit at a table in pinehurst with rob and you and Kevin and and talk about just everything. <laughs> Is there anything really better than that? I, I I can't think of much better than that. You know, um, just every topic that comes up. You know, he knows something about it, and um, so he's just a, he's just a smart man, and he's he loves what he does, and uh, he's a nice person. And um, to this day, you know, he'll he'll play with anybody that shows up at Sweden's and if he's out there and that just says a lot to me because he just doesn't have a, uh, he's very confident in his own ability, but he's not, he doesn't have a big ego and that's a rare combination. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of, I just love talking to him about stuff. And, um, yeah, he sent me a text a few weeks ago and he said, Hey Jim, what, what are the weirdest holes you played in Scotland? I, I want to know, you know, what's the weirdest stuff, to, the weirdest holes. And so I like put together seven or eight things and sent it to him. He just, he loved it. I mean, he loves quirky stuff. He loves sort of challenging the status quo of what accepted in golf. And I don't know. I just, he, he's a great guy. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. That's uh, that's that's well said, and it reads in the, in the book. One of one of my favorite, uh, not to spoil too much. If you want to get more stories, you got to go buy the book. But the um, the thing about Rob in college doing a thesis on basically debunking the Audubon certification process, I thought that was very fitting because the man also has no tolerance for for bullshit. No, he he doesn't. And that's why I put that in there. He just doesn't. If somebody is full of shit, he'll call them out on it. And he, and he really doesn't care. And he'll be nice about it, but he just doesn't care. And that's that, you know, when I started, I'd, I'd ask him to send me his thesis that he did. And I read it and I'm like, well, this is, I laughed because I'm like, well, who, who would do that? 
so yeah you're right i just uh i love that and uh and he's really actually right i mean he just um you know he's a, he feels strongly like most of us do about the environment uh and we want golf to be complementary to the environment which i think it can be and is for a lot of places but he just saw this and said well this is a joke i mean they're promoting this as some kind of gold standard and it really isn't even doing anything and so i loved it yeah i agree with you i, I thought that was funny and that's why i put it in there i actually put a lot of it in there just because i thought it was hilarious that he had, <laughs> he had that was his thesis that he had kind of attacked this kind of autobahn thing and i just loved it so yeah it's a great addition to the book it's one, yeah. one of those like little details that you know just just adds to uh as the experience at sweden's i mean i think that's what I recommend most for the book is like, you know, the folks that pick this up and then get to go play it. It's, it's just that deeper connection to a place. And we all got a uh, connection with you too, Jim. So thank you for, for being here with us. Um, we know it's been a hard year. We also know that, um, you know, you do so much for so many others and just you, you spending time with this group tonight uh, means a great deal to me personally. And, and just um, a lot of these folks here. Well, look, yeah, and I look, man, I appreciate it. Y'all have been great to me, and you're all good guys, and you you love golf for the right reasons. And uh, you know, Kevin is one of my best friends, and just uh, to have gotten involved with New Club has been great. And I do want to say again, if I've got a few of these calendars left, and I'm not, I mean, any any ones that I sell, the money's going straight to the uh, youth on course, and I would ask, you know, if you have, don't know about that charity look it up because it, it's just helping underprivileged kids get involved in golf. And, uh, it's just a great thing. And so anyway, I've got, if you want one, just send me an email and, um, I'll get it to you. And, uh, look, it was fun and thank you for inviting me. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll Jim Sitar is, uh, I've been teasing this next book, but I'm working on it, Jim. It's going to take me a little time, but, um, I think the next one, honestly, is going to be really good. <laughs> I have to say it's going to be really good. I just, I can't, and I'm not trying to promote myself. I just, the stuff that happened to me on this trip, you cannot make up. And um, so it's going to be a good story. So thank y'all. Looking, looking forward to it. And Ted, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Jim, for folks that are listening and maybe want to pick up on those calendars? It would be uh, just my email, um, jhartsell88, J-H-A-R-T-S-E-L-L-88 at gmail.com. And it's uh, also jhartsellgolf.com, which I have my blog that I occasionally write. If I if something hits me, I'll write about it and um, post it on there. But um, I've got stuff coming out. I've got a story that I've written for Golfer's Journal and uh, it's coming out in a couple, a few months. And the, the Lynx Diary, I've got another one coming out with them. And um, it's been, you know, it's been great. And, and y'all have been great to support it. And um, so anyway, yeah. But if you could, either one of those, it's all the information's on there. And um, I'm low tech. If you just email me, I'll I'll mail it to you. and you can Venmo me the, you know, the money and I'll, and whenever I get it all sold, I'll, I'm going to make a donation to, to youth on course. 
Awesome. Awesome. And the secret home of golf, back9press.com. Nine is a number, I believe, an integer. So back9press.com. Jim, thanks for coming on, man. Great spending time with you again. Uh, April 22nd, 23rd, mark your calendar. We got, we'll have some newbies that need some Sherpine uh, around the Cove. I'll be there. Let me give a, I'll, I'll, if you want me to, I'll give an opening address or something. I'm, I'm Perfect. That would be, <laughs> we'll have breakfast burritos and Jim Hartz will get us all raring to go. That would be ideal. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining tonight. I know it's busy during the week, but this, this is so cool to, to have Jim on and be able to ask him some questions. So um, good to see smiling faces. Hope to see more of you guys real soon. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we're at New Club Golf. This episode was produced by Mark Caldwell with research assistance by Jim Sitar. The backdrop is supported by members of New Club Golf Society and our official partners.